Luke chapter 24 and uh, commencing at verse 1 uh, we're going to uh, read a fair bit of this but on the first day of the week at early dawn they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling clothing. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And uh, returning from the tomb, they told all these, these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So there must have been quite a, quite a crowd there. It was just, we sometimes think, oh, it's just the eleven, but it says there, and all the rest. So remember that. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes, uh, sorry, linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marvelling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognising him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ 
should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And note this, for good Bible teaching in terms of what you need to tell other people. And begin, and he said, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. So starting right back there at the beginning of Genesis, he taught how Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and the crucifixion of that one, and the, uh, the resurrection of that one from death was taught all the way through the Old Testament days. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. What an indeed a most remarkable and wonderful thing that has happened on that road to Emmaus. They knew that there was something different about this Jesus because in, or this person who was talking, they didn't realise it was Jesus at that time, but their hearts were burning within them as they were hearing his words. This is Resurrection Sunday and is celebrated all over the world, even in places where if caught, it would, be, it would cost the worshippers their lives. Why do people risk their lives to worship Christ, the resurrected Saviour? It is a puzzle to those who know not the saving power of the Son of God. In Peter 1, sorry, 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 4, we read, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Those three great words. Boy, you could talk about those forever, couldn't you? They, this, this living hope is imperishable. It's imperishable. It's something that will be with us forever and forever and forever. No matter what stress or strain we come up against, no matter what enemy we come up against, no, what, no matter what philosophy we come up against, this living hope is imperishable. And as we give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, this imperishable hope dwells within us and it is undefiled. Don't you long for a, a world of purity? Well, this is where we're going to get it. 
where more and more people are undefiled, where they live and they walk with Jesus in this world, with this imperishable living hope, this undefiled living hope, this pure, holy living hope that is unfading. I don't know what uh, your growing up years were like when you were young and you're looking forward to that Christmas day and all the excitement about the presents that you were hoping were going to be under the tree. And, uh, and you got there and, and you looked at those presents and, and came the time where you took them open and you ripped the paper apart and you dived into that little box or whatever it was and you took it out and you, you enjoyed it. And, and you know, in about uh, two or three weeks' time, the enjoyment of that has faded away. Those toys uh, might be under the bed or might be underneath the house. Uh, might be a matchbox toy that you, you uh, pretended you were building a road somewhere under the house. And there it stayed for the next 30 years. It faded away. It faded away. But there's living hope. It will never fade. It lives within us. It is imperishable. There's nothing that can come against it to injure it. It is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is holy. And it is unfading. It is a joyfulness every day. Even though we have emotional ups and downs, the joyfulness of that, of that uh, living hope is unfading. Because even though the fog of our emotions come and hit us at times about certain circumstances, we look through that fog with those fog lights that uh, God gives us to look through. And we look through them and we can see the living hope that goes on forever. And we, we walk in that every day. And that is why Christians who have an evangelistic heart long for people who are still walking in darkness to come to know that living hope. Because when those fog times come to them, they go into a depression and a, and a, and a terrible, hopeless kind of an experience. But for those who have the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and are living in and experiencing that inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, those people are the testimony to the greatness of what Jesus Christ can do in those people's lives too. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest evidence that he is God. It shows that he has the power of life to give it or to lay it down and to take it up again. No man can take the life of God away unless he allows him. And that's what happened on the cross. Christ himself allowed those people to nail his arms and his, and his feet to that terrible cross. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? Just apart from all the whipping and the beating, that's the nails going through. I mean, I've stood on some nails over the, my life and gone through a shoe and into my foot and, oh, it's like mad, doesn't it? But just imagine the pain and the suffering that he experienced. And, and that's that fog. Fog coming. But he looked through it. And you too can look through the fog. And you can see that unfading hope 
that unfading living hope that is in Jesus Christ. No matter what comes your way, Adam, through his disobedience to God's law, brought death into God's creation and as a curse, death ruled over it. But Jesus Christ came to destroy the power of death and dethrone it. He came to set the captives free. In Luke 4 verse 18 we read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oh, wouldn't that be a wonderful day to see that spreading like a virus out in the community. <laughs> We'd be taking our masks off, ripping them off and breathing it in. Oh Lord, come and set the captives free. Ephesians 4 verse 8, therefore it says, where he ascended on sorry, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. You know, sometimes um, people who have little confidence in themselves and they, they are timid followers of Christ, they, they in a sense talk in terms like, well, I'm just a, a quiet little frightened little church mouse. I've got nothing really serious to offer. But my friends, he gave gifts to you. He gave you a gift to use in his kingdom, to spread his kingdom. Oh, what a joy it is to be able to talk to somebody about the goodness of Christ and what Christ can do in their lives and that living hope can set them free from that, those foggy, horrible experiences that they have in life. Even though they have them, they can still look through them. And they can see the hope that God has for them. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26, it says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. I mean, that's the one that uh, many people fear, isn't it? That's the one enemy that many people fear. Death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. A commentator says, uh, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The scepter of Satan should be broken and taken from him. The false systems of religion that had been a tyranny over people should be destroyed. The gospel should have spread to all the parts of the world and all people will have had opportunity to repent and receive the grace of God. The final thing that remains to be subdued is, is death itself and that would be by the resurrection on judgment day. It would be because the resurrection would be a triumph over death showing that there was one of greater power than death itself, and that the scepter would be taken from the hands of death. My friends, you don't need to fear death. I mean, it will, all, it will come to us all in the bodily sense. But for those who walk in darkness still, and they enter into that first death, they will also enter into a second death, which is indeed the most terrifying of all, where they will be cast away 
into the lake of fire. We want to see them rescued from that while there is opportunity. And we can say to them, look, I do not fear death because I know Christ has conquered it and when it does finally come my way, it will be a friend to me because it will open the door for me to go through into that eternity and that great living hope that will be eternal. I will walk in it forever and forever because death would cease to reign. No more would anyone die after that time. All that should be raised up to life would live forever. All those who are raised up to judgment will suffer the rejection of God as they rejected him. Oh, what a terrible day that will be for many. And the effects of sin and sorry, the effects of sin and rebellion in the world will be forever ended. Isn't that a living hope? It will be ended forever and the kingdom of God restored. Death here is personified as a tyrant, he says, exercising the power of a despot over humanity and he is to be, is to be subdued. Christ himself has power over death. Christ raised himself up from the dead. What a glorious hope that is that as we walk in his resurrection, we too will be raised up on that last day. I look forward to the day of judgment, sorry, the, the, the day of eternal resurrection, when all sin and enemies of God are vanquished and peace shall reign forevermore. We are yet to see the fruit of eternal peace. But come, it surely will. Do you understand that? Don't let that fog lie to you. Don't let that fog of violence and lack of peace lie to you. Look through it, through that living hope that Christ has given to you. Look through it into that living hope and you will see the peace of God that will surely come. And we will live a patient, expectant life in this world, expecting that the day is coming when all evil will cease and no more exist. When God created Adam, he breathed life into him. So from the beginning of time, we see that God is the source of life. This means he has a power over life and death. Throughout the New Testament, we find this wonderful presentation of hope after death. It is something that is not just found in the New Testament, but is prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah prophesies a physical resurrection in Isaiah 26 and verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise, awake and sing, you that dwell in dust, 
For your dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Some have urged, uh, sorry, argued that the doctrine of a bodily resurrection was unknown to the Israelites of the Old Testament. In fact, uh, th this denial was a fundamental doctrine of the Sadducees at the time of Christ. And uh, when you read through the Gospel story, you will come across Matthew 22 and verse 23, and it says, On that day some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him. Some today deny in a desperate hope that there is no afterlife. The resurrection, though, has always been known. It has always been the hope of God's people. Long before Isaiah's time, in fact, Job is arguably the oldest book in the Bible, for reasons I may go into some other time. But he said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and in my flesh shall I see God. Some 400 years before Genesis was recorded, written down, the doctrine of the need of salvation had known and known and therefore sorry was known and therefore a saviour was prophesied. Job was a recipient of the salvation story verbally handed down by Adam down through the line to his uh, following generations. Job made sacrifices on behalf of his children but looked forward to the time when that one final sacrifice was to be made and he did this in faith in the coming Messiah. After this time of Isaiah, the promise was still known. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You see, there is always this presentation of the blessing and the judgment, the blessing of life and the consequences of rejecting God. <clears throat> some promises were not uh, referring to some vague immortality of the soul, Sorry, such promises were not referring to some vague immortality of the soul as taught in pagan religions, but to resurrection of the body. First, however, the Creator must become man. He must die for the sins of the world and defeat death by his own bodily resurrection. And in our text above, in fact, Christ, speaking through Isaiah, is saying that Old Testament believers would be raised together with my dead body, he's saying. This was literally fulfilled when the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which had died arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Matthew 27, 52 and following. Then when Jesus was ascended to heaven in John, John 20, he led those who had been in captivity in the grave with him into heaven. All who have trusted Christ in the Christian era will likewise be raised from the dead 
when he comes again and will meet him with the saints in the air, as in uh, Thessalonians, as it says, uh, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, as others who have no hope. Hear that? Others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Notice the reference to the divinity of Christ there. That Jesus, uh, sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. It's God who's going to come back. It's Jesus is coming back. And continuing on, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a, with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. That sounds to me like a very noisy event. And with the trumpet of God. Sound like a noisy event? Sounds like a noisy event to me. And the dead in Christ shall first rise. Then we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. What a wonderful hope the Christian has. And Paul continues on when he's writing to those Thessalonian people who were troubled about the end times and whether they had missed it or not. He said, Then we which are alive... Sorry, I read that. He then says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. The time of the Lord's return is a comfort to those who walk with Jesus Christ. The resurrection is a comfort, as Paul says. So comfort one another with the fact that evil has an end coming and eternal peace will reign in humanity forever. Forever, unceased. He has defeated death. And has promised in John 14 verse 19, After a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Because I live, he says, you will live. Remarkable. How wonderful that is. What a wonderful message that is. I mean, people who, who live in this world, they have in their minds, I'm born, I live, I die, I cease to exist. But here, our Lord is saying, you are born, you live, and physically you die, but because I live and you walk in me, you will live forever. Hallelujah. What a wonderful message we have. He has defeated death 
and has promised. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Both Jesus and Paul affirm its teaching in the New Testament. John 5, verse 28 to 29, An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to the resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to the resurrection of judgment. There's, there's the dividing. And at that point, there is no other option. Before then, there is a gospel option where those who commit evil deeds, they can be rescued and they can be walking with Christ and they too can have life eternal. Acts 24 and verse 15, having a hope in God which these men cherish themselves that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Well, our time is gone, but I tell you, we could, we could talk a lot about many other verses of Scripture. Um, would you? I'll, I'll do one more. Romans 1 and verse 4. Just look up Romans 1, Acts, Romans. Romans 1 and verse 4. And it says, and as, was, and as was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. That is why, my friends, you have a living hope. Because our Saviour has power over death and he lives and lives forevermore. Never again will he go into the grave. He went there not because of his need, but our need. What a living hope that is, that you and I can live, be born, we can live, we can die, and then we can live forever. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Our Father in heaven, indeed, we thank you for the great gospel message of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, there is a day coming when all will be ceased and all accounts will be drawn in and all the invoices will be added up. Father, thank you that we your people, being a recipient of your grace and mercy, can see across our invoice, paid in full. Hallelujah. We pray for those who are yet to experience that grace and mercy, that Lord, you would, you would still have mercy upon them, even as they walk and still trample underfoot the blood of Christ, have mercy, we pray, especially those of our family members. We long to have them in heaven with us. But Lord, help us to look further afield because you love all people. 
So in Jesus' name, we ask for your blessing upon those who walk in darkness, that the scales will be taken from their eyes and that they might know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Saviour. Thank you for this great blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.